The calendar has turned to April, the first Thursday in April, and we are just a few weeks away from the 2022 NFL Draft. Alongside Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. This is the best podcast available for Thursday, April 7th. Glad you're with us. Jeff McDaniel spinning the dials behind the scenes, making us look good, including these fantastic arms. I believe I've hit on that last week, and we'll continue to do that because they're really nice. Gribbs, a, a pleasure, my friend, and we will get into draft talk. Because ultimately, we've got to familiarize ourselves with the day two and day three stuff, and maybe even a little day one at the end, depending on what this team may or may not do. But first things first, the Cleveland Browns active this week at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus, taking care of a little special teams help. Yeah, I mean, this was something that clearly needed to be addressed, and I think that even after the moves that have happened, the Browns probably aren't done yet. I think that uh, clearly... When you make a move at punter in season, you're not happy with the direction things are going. Obviously, bringing a, a savvy vet and Dustin Colquitt to get you through the rest of the year, but the kicking game probably not where you wanted it to be. Not 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 a lot of juice out of the out of the punt return game, and I think he just kind of did the league average at on kick returns. But obviously, the one thing they have done well over the last few years is cover kicks, one of the best in the league at, at doing that type of stuff. So clearly, a lot of moves had to be make and made and. This is an area of the team that always has a lot of turnover, especially in your core guys. Those are usually fringe roster guys, and you have a lot of churn there. But uh, moves needed to be made on, on the key specialist areas, and I think that clearly I, we have some names, but I don't know if we have any final answers at either of those spots yet. Yeah, definitely. So on Monday, uh, the Cleveland Browns here at the Cross Country Mortgage Campus signed punter Corey Bohorquez, uh, his fifth NFL season Uh Posted 218 punts for 9,890 yards, 45.4 yard per punt average since signing with New England in 2018. He handled the punt duties in Green Bay last season. Uh, Guy's got quite a leg, and I, I would think he will probably be the favorite going into training camp, but that, like you said, doesn't mean that he's guaranteed a spot here on this roster. Yeah, an accomplished punter, a guy who's done a lot, and I think he was associated with and maybe not the the reason of the Packers that they struggled at the end of last season their whole special teams operation I think they were going to have to clean that up and get things fixed so clearly uh, uh, maybe a reason why he was uh, available here as a free agent but uh big leg and also experience he's only really punted in cold weather places I mean granted he went to went to New Mexico so played college at a warm weather place but since he's been in the NFL it's in Buffalo Green Bay now Cleveland. I think that's a key thing. The ball's a little heavier once the weather gets gets colder. You're dealing with the elements. So he's used to that. And I think that he will definitely, when you look at it, he is clearly the front runner of those two uh, to maybe claim that job going into the season. Doesn't behoove that. I, I don't think it prevents you from going after the position, whether it be in the draft or most likely undrafted free agency. But Maybe we scale back the talk about the punk god on day two. Now that you got someone that's done it for the last few years, uh, we'll, we'll see where 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 the punk god ends up in, in the draft. But I think that this is a, an accomplished guy that the Browns have brought in, give you some experience and a guy that can that can consistently drive it down the field. On Tuesday, then the Browns bringing back a familiar face and a familiar name and kicker Chase McLaughlin. 16 games last year for the Browns. He converted 15 of 21 field goals as well as 36 of 37 PATs. Was perfect from 50 yards or greater in 2021, putting all four of his attempts through the uprights. He's made 75. 0.5% of his field goal attempts and 97.1% of his extra points in the National Football League. Uh, a guy that knows First Energy Stadium well, knows this football team well, 
a guy that Mike Prefer knows very well. But again, not a for sure that uh, he will be the kicker come the starting uh, week one. No, I mean, it's a position where unless you have that established guy, you're going to have a competition every year. I think Chase McLaughlin's a good guy to have in the competition, especially I mean, he, he started off so well last year. I thought the, the first half of the season he was – everything you wanted out of the position it gave you that that big leg and, and the, the clutch kicks that he was able to make but it was the same thing like with Cody Parkey in 2020 once the weather started turning a little bit the kicks got a little bit more inconsistent and I think that some of those kicks that he missed weren't in bad weather but it was just the time of the year and you wondered uh if things were trailing off a bit and I, I, he's a guy that's been a part of eight different teams in, in the league has bounced around so someone that that clearly he is he hit a good stride in the fall and now you want to see if he can kind of replicate that and give yourself a, a good competition at that position but uh again a position that clearly can still get addressed in the, in the coming weeks and months uh, one, I don't know if I, we would be surprised. The Browns have drafted two kickers in the last eight or so years, uh, which puts them at the top of the league in that category. Most teams do not draft kickers, uh, but we'll see. There's a, there's a bunch of good ones, and as we saw with the Bengals last year, you can get an immediate impact guy uh, for, as a rookie. They can come in and, and get the job done. Uh, it'd be great to see if you can add some competition that way. There's- well, it, it, the bigger question now becomes where does kicker and punter rank in terms of the Browns' immediate needs in the draft? Can they push it to a day three? Can it become an undrafted free agent pickup? Yeah, I mean, kicker is probably going to be day three no matter what. I don't know if there's anyone that's sniffing the the day two territory in this year's crop. I mean, Cade York from LSU is probably the the top-ranked guy, and he's had has a history of clutch kicks. LSU has a history of producing these great kickers uh, in the league. But so still probably looking as, as a day three or undrafted route. But I still think you probably need to inject some competition because I think there was clearly you weren't satisfied by what Chase McLaughlin did at the end of last season. You want to see better from that position. You want to get to the level. Uh, the kickers in the AFC North, we talk about the quarterbacks. The kickers in the AFC North right now might be the best best kicker division in football with McPherson, uh, obviously Justin Tucker, a future Hall of Famer in Baltimore. And then Boswell in Pittsburgh has been really, really good for most of the last 10 or so years, it seems like. So the weather gets rough. You don't want to have – uh, concerns at that position. You want to be confident in that position because the teams you're facing, it, it's it's almost like a deflating feeling when you when you get late game situations against Baltimore and now Cincinnati when you know they're they're going to make it from, from probably 55 or in most more times than not. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is the last couple of years, you know, the practice squad numbers have been allowed to be expanded and they they will continue to be expanded, uh, and especially with. COVID and and who knows what COVID will look like here for this coming season. But in the past, the Browns had to carry an extra kicker and or punter on that 16-man taxi squad. So it'll be interesting to see if they end up doing that, if they don't end up doing that. But without a doubt, there will be competition at punter and at kicker. No one's getting a free pass uh, this fall. And the crazy thing about kicker is I would say – we talk about quarterbacks all the time in the league and how teams are always looking to upgrade at the position. It's safe to say there's more teams in the NFL satisfied with their quarterback right now probably than their kicker at any given time, and that's why you see so much churn at the position. Uh, you see teams move on because it's such a, uh, a high-risk, high-reward position that if you have a couple games where you struggle at that position, you have to make a move. Uh, and I, I think it's it's clear you need some depth at the position. I think now, like you said, with the practice squads, you almost have to carry two on your uh, on campus kind of kind of roster and that's something you didn't have to do 
uh, in the past. And look at how much it affected uh, a close game in Green Bay this past year when, when you were without Chase McLaughlin, you struggled at that position. You kind of lost fate once you missed that first one with your backup. Then you kind of it affects your game strategy probably the rest of the way because you're worried about confidence levels uh, and kicking in a tough environment. So, yeah, like you meant, the Browns need not just one but two guys they can count on. Uh, and, and I think that that's going to be something that is at the front burner for, from now on forward. Yeah, so I believe if I have this correct, and I could be totally wrong on it, but the unofficial Brown special teams depth chart yes. of today, Thursday, April 7th, we know Charlie Hewitt will still be here, yes. the long snapper. McLaughlin, Chris Blewett, yep. is Blewett still here? Okay, yes, we have two kickers. We have two punters in Bohorquez and Joseph Charlton. Uh from a kick return and punt return standpoint now, and this leads us into our interview uh, of the week with Jakeem Grant, uh, but Grant you know, moves into your kicker, kick return, punt return. Uh, at the kick return spots, you also have Dearness Johnson. You have Anthony Schwartz and Demetric Felton at, at punt return, DPJ and Felton. Now, Felton showed a little bit, kind of tailed off as the season went on. Uh, Dearness Johnson came in and gave them a little spark on the kick return, but uh, – Jakeem Grant is a player that changes the dynamic when it comes to returning, whether it's punts or kicks. Yeah, I mean, it pretty much you would think he locks up the spots because he's a pro bowler at those positions. And like I mentioned in the last pod, it's what you thought you might have been able to do when you signed JoJo Natson a couple years ago, but the injuries uh, just affected his ability to lock down that spot and it kind of caused the, the turnover. I thought, like you mentioned, I thought Felton was good in spurts last year. It's just... Ultimately, when it comes to ball security, that's what's going to get you off the field in a hurry. I think DPJ was solid, just didn't have any game-breaking kind of returns. Felton had that game-breaking ability, but you worried about the ball security. That's a quick way to get off the field. Yeah, and we never saw Schwartz, really. Because Schwartz battling the injuries, and then once he was at wide receiver, you wanted to keep him there, to keep him healthy. And oddly, not a lot of experience. He he talked about how he was frustrated about how he didn't really get an opportunity at Auburn. They had some other guys that could do it. When you're when you're an SEC school, you recruit guys that can specifically do it. So they they kept Schwartz in his lane and didn't give him a ton of experience. But that's something they want to keep working with him at because he has that game changing speed. And especially on, uh, on when you think punt returns a different skill, but kickoff that's maybe somewhere where he can make an impact. But we talk about it now. Kick, kickoff return is almost more of a it, the, the the decisions you see is the guy should have taken a knee instead of running it out because it's such a hard thing to do now is is get kickoffs beyond the 25 yard line so it's almost like it's the skill set the mindset the, to know when to take the knee instead of, instead of making the returns out there well our new returner i don't know how much he believes in taking it <laughs> and, and you'll and you'll hear it right here in this interview jakeem grant pro bowler in 2021 Second team All-Pro twice in 2020 and 2021. Had a chance to sit down with our Nathan Zagura shortly after signing his new contract with the Browns. Have a watch and have a listen. Very happy now to be joined by the newest member of the Browns, Pro Bowl returner, wide receiver Jakeem Grant. Let's just start there. Pro Bowl returner. When you found out last year that you were going to the Pro Bowl, I'm sure that's one of the things when you think about, you know, I'm going to play the game. Man, I'd love to be in a Pro Bowl someday. What was that like? Um, It was, man, it Words can't explain it. It was very exciting, especially with being not making it the year before and I was all pro the year before. And I was like, well, I mean, what else do I need to do to make it to the Pro Bowl? And so when they told, when Coach Snaggy told me, I was like, oh, my God, like, man, this is like a dream come true. And so um, when I got there, I was like, and then they told me, hey, you're not going to be catching punts in the Pro Bowl. I was like, okay, so now what What, what do I do now? But, oh, man, I, cause it was it was a dream come true. I, I 
feelings, it was amazing, especially with just being there in the atmosphere and knowing that you have fans outside of just the Chicago Bears fans sure. and everybody that look up to you. I was, man, it, it was a, it was a great feeling. By the way, all pros, nothing to, to, yeah. to see yeah. that. That's, that's a pretty good thing as well. So you decided, hey, I'm going to bring my skills to the Cleveland Browns. The Browns wanted you. How did this kind of process come together? Um, they, Cleveland were very aggressive, and I've been looking at them for the longest, and they needed a returner. And I was just like, especially at, especially with receivers too, um, I was just like, no better fit. And also, it, it was just – an easy option Good. and so um i love the coaches you know ceos here uh chad O'Shea. Yeah. i had him in miami i had a great relationship with him so that was another reason why i came and i was just like man why not you yeah. know and i heard about just the people in the room and just how what they're about and i was just like man that's what i'm about too and so man it checked off every check check box on my list so i was just i'm, I'm a brown now but we love that because yeah. it's easy when you go and you watch your highlights. You're an electric factory. And <laughs> I don't know if they've hit you with the stats. So the last Browns punt return touchdown was 2015. The last Browns kick return touchdown was 2009. The great wow. Josh Cribbs. So it has been a while. And I was looking, you have six return touchdowns on your yep. resume. You've, got a You've had a, either a kick or a punt four straight years, right? Mm -hmm. How do you do it, man? They've changed the rules. You're not supposed to be able to do this. I mean... If they kick it to me, they're gonna pay. That's uh, that's um, that's my whole thing. It's like, it's either you kick it out of bounds or I'm going to the crib. And so, um, <laughs> definitely gonna change that this year. Um, yeah. I'm not banking on just getting one. I'm banking on getting a multiple. So, I mean, we they know. That. They yes. know if they kick it to me, they they seen the tape, they seen everything. I'm not a fair catch guy. So, just letting them know now, I don't fair catch. And so, do what you want to do with that information. I love it. I yeah. love it. If, what's your favorite of all their turn touchdowns? You have one that, that stands out. Um, I probably say the one against Green Bay because everybody expects like a returner to just let it go, bounce in the end zone, and or fair catch it. And I caught the ball on the three, and I'm like, man, no, no returners is is doing that, you know. Yeah. Besides what Devin Hester, Devin Hester. But I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong. You used that one 97 yards set the franchise record for the longest punt return touchdown with the Bears, who had Devin Hester, who yep. was likely to be in the Hall of Fame, is arguably the greatest returner of all time. So that's pretty cool too. Absolutely. And then I didn't even know that he did not do that. Like I was, that was the longest one in well, history. He said nobody catches yeah. it on the. Three. And so I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, nobody is doing that. So if you could go back and. Even against the Raiders, the, the, uh, the punter punted like five yards in the end zone. I brung it out anyways. And I told him, I'm like, I'm not trying to be just an average returner. Like, I want to be the one that's remembered. I want to be, you know, the, the next one to take, you know, Devin Hester's story. Sure. And I, I have a far mountain to climb. And so, and that's my goal is to, you know, pass him up. And he's a great person to look up to. And so, you know, that's, that's my whole mentality. So walk us through kind of the process. So the ball gets kicked. You have an idea of like what return has been called or set yep. up. What's kind of your checklist? What are you going through? What are you looking at when the ball's in the air? Okay, so first thing I check is the gunner's release and see if, you know, my teammates, jammers, got them matched up because they're usually typically the first ones to get down there. Yep. And so I already took a, uh, a peep at the flight of the ball. I'm getting to the spot, and all I'm doing is I already, I already checked them out. And so that gives me – the indicator if I'm going to fair catch it or not, which most likely I'm going to fair catch it, no matter what, right. no yeah. matter what. But um, he has to be like 
basically standing right next to me if I'm not going to fair catch. So um, after that, I'm I'm just like, okay, if it's a left return, right return, or middle return, I'm catching the ball and just setting it up and trusting that my teammates are having it on and just letting the athletic ability take place. And so once they kick it to me, I'm like, it's basically backyard football. If yep. anybody think about it, it's backyard football, easily. Has there been one where you knew before you caught it, you were taking it to the house? And I'm sure you have the mindset, I'm going to take this house, but was there one that where you just kind of saw the way things were setting up where you're like, all right, it's happening? Yes, um, actually the one back in 2020 uh, against the Rams. And um, it, was just, uh, it was just set up too perfect. It was perfect. And it was a right return to the sideline. And the, I seen the whole cavalry of my teammates just blocking or set up on the right side. I seen like the basically you call it the Great Wall of China. Yeah. And so just seeing that right there, and I and I, I was untouched. And I was just saying that's just yeah. And I was like, I took my hat off to them because that was just nothing but blocking. All I did was run. And so I was like, anybody could have done it. So. Man, it was just, it was unbelievable. All right, so we said six return touchdowns. Yeah. Obviously, that's your passion, all pro, pro bowler. You also can do quite a bit in the offense. You have a rushing touchdown. You've got a bunch of receiving touchdowns. Had two of them last year. What do you like better? Do you like scoring as a runner, a returner, or as a receiver? Or do you not care? Just get me in Honestly, I do not care. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, the off, like, the punt returns are more electrifying because it gives you know the crowd goes crazy, especially because it's like less likely to happen sure. in a game. Anybody yes. can you know go and score, you know, a catch and touchdown and things of that nature. But everybody is like, okay, a punt return or a kickoff return to the house is it's electrifying. It also sucks like the momentum out of any team because oh, yeah. that's a change in that's an instant change of you know possession. And they're like, man, like. Special teams could easily win you a game, and so that's what I'm all about. Yeah, and so three if I'm, phases. Exactly. So I'm I, me with being a punt returner and also like a receiver. I'm trying to take over the whole game on every aspect. So they're like, man, we can't stop them on offense, and we sure can't kick them the ball. So I mean, only way I, I we don't have no choice but to you know just contain them our, our best right. ability. And so that's my mentality: just being a punt returner and a and a receiver is just taking over a whole game. I noticed you're holding the ball on your left yep. hand. You got a chance to talk with our special teams coordinator, Absolutely. Mike Prefer. And, Mike, yeah. and that's what he said, get that ball on your left hand, yeah, and here Prefer. you are. And he's, he's been telling me, hey, walk around the, all day today with the ball on your left hand because that on my notes when I told you when I, when I, was, I was excited to have you here, and I was like, Coach, I'm glad to be here. It's like, but one thing that I want to talk about is you care, why do you carry the ball on the right hand? And I told him, I was like, it's, it's because I feel like I'm running slow. That's the only reason why I do it, because I'm not used to carrying it in the left hand. Sure. And it automatically, like, without even thinking, it goes to my right hand. And so um, he was just like, I'm going to continue to harp on you having it in your left hand. And there's so many things uh, or extra yards that you could have gotten if you would have had the ball in your left hand. And I was like, I haven't even thought about that, but I, that's why you take coaching. I'm a player, he's a coach, and he can see that. And so... You see me doing it now, like having it. a ball in the left right. hand. <laughs> Listen, you go from great, there's always room exactly. to improve, right? Exactly. There's always, always room to improve. So always. I love that. And you mentioned Chad O'Shea when you were together in yep. Miami, and he's been here. I, I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's been great for, for this organization. What was that relationship like, and, and how nice is it to have kind of a familiar face in the building? Oh, it's great. You know, um, fortunately, I, I only know Baker and, and Juice and, 
and Rashad here against Hollywood. Uh -huh. And so, um, fortunately, Juice and um, Rashad are, are gone. Sure. But with seeing Coach O'Shea, I, I didn't even realize he was, you know, the receivers coach. And so, and I was like, what are the odds yeah, of us being back? Offensive coordinator. Yeah, offensive sure. coordinator, yeah. And so, I was like, what are the odds of us being back in the same building? And it's just great because we had a great relationship in Miami. And so, it's just, I mean, the future is going to be great. That's all I can say. I love it. And you have a great kind of way about you. I can feel your yeah. energy very infectious and make smile all the time. Yeah. Is this something that you ever dreamed of when, you know, you got into the game and, you know, you said, all right, I'm going to the NFL. I'm going to be more of a return guy now. Mm -hmm. All pro, pro bowler. Sign a very nice contract. Congratulations on that for you and your family, by the way. But is this kind of like, is it kind of wild to take it all in? Um, yeah, but see, the thing is, honestly, People did not know that um, I never did punt return or anything before I got to the NFL. Like, I never caught a punt. I couldn't catch a punt. I didn't even have trust in my own teammates to, like, you have to be have a, a little bit of insanity to catch punts. <laughs> yeah, you Because do. your head is almost at a 90 degree, and you're saying, I trust this person to make sure I don't get blown up. Yeah. And even going up and fair catching it in between traffic just for field position, like, it's insane. It's, it's just insane. And especially like with me, I would take a hit before I, I like catch a uh, fair catch. Sure. And so um, I, all I did was like I was a receiver before anything, before yep. I even did special teams. And so I was just like, you know, with being my size, I want to add more to my game than the taller receivers. Smart. I want yeah. them to know that like I'm a, I can be a returner and I can take over on the special team games and on the offense. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to add that, that niche to it. I remember coming into the lead and catching my first punt with Co uh, Darren Rizzi as my special teams coach. And it was a preseason game against the Giants. And he kicks me the ball. I absolutely let it bounce. I was like, in my head, I'm like, I'm not catching that. And then Coach Rizzi is on the sideline. Red as can be. It was like, why you didn't catch the ball? I said, Coach, I was scared. I'm not going to lie to you. I was scared. I, I, and he was like, listen, you're good. Just catch the ball and just be you. And so I caught it and took it 40 yards, and then the rest is history. And after that, I've just been just trying to perfect my craft and trying to just be the best one at the game, best one at it. When did you know, though, okay, I'm good at this? Um, I will say... 2018 um, is probably, I would say, probably what was my kind of like my best year at returns, and I was like killing it, leading the lead, and I was just like, man, I probably actually got a knack for it, and I was just tearing it up. Like, that was the year I scored, like, on a kickoff return and a punt return, yep. and so I was just like, man, wow, like, I never thought I would be good at punt return, ever, yeah. and I was just like, when I started to get good, I was like, man, and that's why I the previous I told you the reference is backyard football. And I was like, that's all it is, is catch the ball and try not to get tackled. Yeah, that's right. Make a miss. <laughs> exactly. Make a miss and tell me don't it, or you get in the end yep. zone, whatever happens first. <laughs> well, Jim, this is going to be a lot of fun. And certainly we're excited to have you here. And I'm sure you've got a sense, Browns fans, very passionate about their football team. And you're going to have this place rocking, man. You take one to the house, it is going to be bonkers. Oh, yeah. The first energy. So Definitely. looking forward to that. So welcome to the Browns and congrats. Man, I appreciate it. Thanks to Jakeem Grant for a few minutes of his time. Thanks to Nathan Zagura for his help as well. And uh, 
here's a guy who's very confident in his abilities, a, a former sixth-round pick, and he has made the most of his NFL career through six seasons there, Griggs. Yeah, and it was a great signing by the Browns that I would say it's, it, it officially was a very under-the-radar signing because I think it hit the at the peak of kind of Watson mania at that point. So people were focused on the quarterback position, and, and you go in there and add a, a guy with that's one of the best at his position in the league. And like I said, the Browns have been searching for this basically ever since that one season you got out of Travis Benjamin. So you didn't even have that sustained guy. Really, you haven't had the sustained guy since Cribs. And, and I think that that's something that has is 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 quietly eluded this team. And hopefully, you can get that so it's steady, solid. Hopefully, he can stay healthy all year. Uh, and you've got uh, not just someone that can catch the ball, but a weapon at the position. Six seasons. There's only been one where he hasn't returned either a punt or a kick for a touchdown. So. Pretty impressive. The other big takeaway is he played for Chad O'Shea in Miami. And he said Chad O'Shea was a big reason why I'm here and the relationship that he has. And, uh, again, it's that coaching staff. It goes back to the coaching staff altogether for a third consecutive season and their ability to recruit players as well as the players themselves. Yeah, and no one wants to just be a returner. And I think that Jakeem is going to want to make an impact in some way uh, on this offense. We saw – a lot of plays with Schwartz where you could get sweeps involved. I think Jakeem Grant's another guy that can get involved in kind of the jet sweep game. And he's got speed and elusiveness. He's a, he's a smaller guy, but if you can get him in space, he can he can make some plays for you. He's not going to be someone that's on the field for you every single snap, but a, a weapon that you can include in this offense and you know let Deshaun or, or Jacoby get, the, get them the ball in space and, and let him get moving. Yeah, uh, he's got a couple rushing touchdowns. He's caught 100 passes in his career for seven touchdowns. Uh, the guy can make some plays besides being on special teams, which uh, right now in this wide receiver room, you need that. Yeah, there's opportunity there. I know that, that it's a position that can still get addressed in the draft and likely will. Uh, but but you've got a, a got some some opportunities to to make some plays because there's you know it's a different looking room, and I think that the, the they will look at it, this in training camp and see if you can make an impact on this offense. You're going to get on the field. All right, so we move into. To draft time and also phase one of off-season workouts. And ours will start Tuesday, uh, April 19th. But we're looking at the draft. The individual, the pro days are just about done. The individual pro days are just about done. Now comes those interviews. And before we wrap up, you know, there's going to be some stories I'm sure coming out about guys taking visits with the Cleveland Browns. Gribbs, what are they allowed to do? What are they not allowed to do? And how do those visits seem to work when they when yeah, they come in? Yeah, I think you're back to the normal way of doing things, and that's usually 30 on-campus visits. So with the Browns not having a first-round pick, it might be a different-looking kind of crew than you would have had if you had the number 13 pick. But uh, it, there's usually – just because someone visits doesn't mean you're going to draft them. It wouldn't be possible. But – there usually is, especially some history with this team, especially in the later rounds. If you bring in some guys for these later round visits, there tends to be a connection there, and uh, it's it's less. Your board is your board probably differs the most on day three compared to other teams and other other places. You're drafting for guys that fit your schemes, things like that. But it seems like you you bring in maybe multiple guys a day to to kind of fit in the schedule, and you kind of give them the the round robin. You meet with their specific coaches, the GM, everything like that. Get everyone comfortable. Uh, with the players so when you are maybe on the fence on someone on in the fourth fifth round or even earlier you you go back on how did they impress you in those situations and it's really kind of the old school job interview that has kind of just evaded teams across all sports the last couple years yeah it's going to be interesting and it's also going to be interesting to see 
Do you continue to do the work? It sounds like, from what Andrew Barry said, you continue to do the work on first-round guys in the event that you're able to, to move back up if there's someone that falls. But how much work is done on day for day one and how much work is done for day two and day three? Yeah, I think it's almost like a you don't want to discredit the amount of work they have done on day two in the past because it's like they already were probably operating at max capacity on addressing day two and day three guys. So it's like the work stays the same. It's just that... You know, maybe you do prepare for some day one guys, but at the end of the day, you know that you don't have a first round pick and you're not exactly loaded with assets to make the kind of move up into the first round or do what it takes uh, to move up. We just saw what the Saints had to give up uh, to get an extra first round pick this year. It, it, it costs a lot. It usually costs a first round pick and the Browns don't have one of those until 2024, uh, 25. So you got to you got to be realistic in, in what the situation is. But. Uh, you still have three picks on on day two, and and the hope is, like you have the last couple of years, that you're getting someone with a first round grade on day two. All right, we'll see what happens here over the coming days and weeks as we get closer to the 2022 NFL draft. Make sure you like and subscribe today to the best podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch all of our episodes, YouTube.com/slash/Browns. For Jeff McDaniel behind the scenes, for Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We're back with you next week on the best podcast available, presented by our great friends at Cross Country Mortgage.